Father, we ask you, Lord, to lift up the standard and the banner of the God of Israel this morning, Lord yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah. My God, Rachel is crying because her children are dying. There's a cry heard, Lord. A cry of children. In the last Lebanese war, the war of Lebanon, Laura Lee and I were on a kibbutz close to the Syrian border. The irony was that it was a group of Christian believers from the United States staying. They were singing joyous songs and church songs and oblivious to what was happening just literally miles away, permeating that sound starting about 11 o'clock at night until the sunrise were the screams and terror of a woman who could not stop. She had just learned that her son was killed in battle. And the church was oblivious. There's real people dying right now, real daughters stalling. Daughters of Zion, sons of Israel, mothers, fathers. They're not prisoners of war. They're no different than you in your own home in Ohio. Where murderers and terrorists invade in the middle of the night and kill your children and rape your daughters. And then take them away and parade them in the streets as a trophy. And the church sleeps. And people go on about as if nothing is happening because it's so far away. As I came into this church this morning, walked to the altar.
to seek in any word. What I received was weep between the porch and the altar. Weep between the porch and the altar. Yes, life goes on and we have many things to deal with in our personal lives. And some are life and death at this moment and I'm not making light of those things. Not at all. And here we are challenged as people of God who know, or at least should know, what the moment is and what the hour is. And at the same time, we're here on earth to live a practical life in the midst of the darkness and the chaos, holding on to faith and righteousness and holiness and obedience. But still, This I know, the heart of the God of Israel and the Messiah of Israel are heavy this hour. There are tears flowing from the Messiah's eyes. As he yearns to come and deliver his people. when we don't know how to be what we should be or can be. But yet, Father, you say you guide us through that miry waters and you help us, Lord, to find our way in the midst of the valley. As your son cried out, Lord, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can find comfort. Help us, Lord. Guide us. Yes. Awaken 
the body of Christ, oh God. Forgive the body of Christ, Lord, for only relishing and embellishing an arrogant attitude. That it's not us, it's them. That it's others that have to suffer, not us. Forgive the deception of well-meaning teachers who teach a message of deception, oh God. May they wake up this hour. fans the flames of light and fire 
Let it go out, Father. Let the world be called to a moment of repentance, Lord God. A moment of hunger, passion, thirst for the ways of you, Lord God. Father, let your church come back to our first love and not be lost in the so many theologies of theologies. Let us come barefoot into the Holy of Holies, Father, with fear and respect. Not bouncing in in our arrogant and proud shoes as if it's not a privilege. Let your priesthood raise up, Father, in the true body of Christ. And let the priests weep and howl between the porch and the altar, Lord God. justifying calling on the God of war you see that's another thing the body of Christ has to get over there are righteous wars you understand that if there wasn't a righteous war in World War II we wouldn't be here right now that's right. and every Jew would be dead and that spirit would have stopped there it would have then turned upon the church and that same enemy of the Jews is the enemy of the body of Christ. I hope you understand that. Because the Father Lord of that enemy is the Antichrist. And that's a murderous, bloodthirsty spirit. The Bible doesn't lie. From beginning to end, it's one truthful book. And yes, we live in a new covenant, but we still are people called to war. We war in the spirit and sometimes we war in the flesh. And we have to fight righteous battles. So those who say peace, peace, peace only for Israel, they don't understand that we were told even in Revelation 12 that as that bride of Israel, as that, that, that seed of Israel was being born again, that the devil spewed out a vomit to swallow it up as fast as it was being born and it hasn't quit. Israel has only known war. The day after it was declared a nation as an apology for the Holocaust as the world shut its eyes, every Arab nation declared war on it. And it was a new people of just a few with no army, with a hundred million people surrounding it, declaring to swallow it up and kill it. And that spirit has never stopped. And what you saw happen on the high holy day, Simcha Torah. Beloved, don't you understand that day? I've taught it to you. That is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles when you celebrate the Torah, the Word of God. And it's when you say it's the time for the new beginnings of the Word of God. There was a threshold that was crossed on Simcha Torah, so you understand. And we of all people, while we didn't know how and why, we knew 
that this threshold crossing was coming. The Lord told us, he's been telling us that now for several weeks, in fact months, that we were crossing the threshold and now there we go. And so we need to understand that this is just the beginning, the beginning of terror. I hate to be a bearer of bad news, but that same spirit that's been working against Israel and the world has been working against this country. Yes, sir. You see, the difference is we saw graphically terrorists and people that hate our God and hate us and hate Israel tear through a wall. But instead, we've had five million people just invited in. A lot of them good and some of them very bad. Have you realized that we could wake up in the morning with a terrorist at your window? Allowed in by this government? So what is the purpose of that? Is it politics? Is it spiritual? Is it a combination? Is it a crossover? If you don't think that those same terrorists that are sponsored by Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah aren't getting instructions in this country, then you're a fool. And if someone were to come to your house to steal your child or your wife, would you turn the cheek? Tell them, go ahead, kill them, rape them, take them. I hope you have enough spirit in you to fight for your family. We are called to war as a people, Lord, a righteous war when the time comes, both in the spirit and that. So what happened here this morning was we went through a grieving process and we shall continue to, but also a repentant process, but a war process. Israel didn't survive without the intervention of God going to war. It's always been that way. Abram chased with 300 people and overcame five kings. Gideon did it with 300. And the Lord will take Israel now to overcome its enemies because you see, God said, I will never divorce her from me. Those are my people. And more so, he said, this is their land and my land with them. And Jerusalem is his holy city. And we all ought to wake up and understand that the defined borders of Israel today are not the ultimate borders of Israel. How many of you know that? It's bigger, it's wider, it's larger. So the world wants to shrink them, but God says that's not the world's land to give. And so the Lord says they cry out peace. Peace with Saudi Arabia, peace with Iran. And in so doing, naively and maybe somewhat diabolically, the wealthiest country with the biggest military in the world cowtails to it and even releases billions of dollars to the single country on earth that cries death to Israel, death to the United States. How stupid are we? That's stupidity, beloved. Forget about the politics, that's stupidity. And it's fatalism, and it's diabolical. So, here we go again. 
And now we need to be those who take a place and he'll amplify what we do and what we have to say. We won't have to figure out how to do it. He always does. He'll amplify it. And he'll give us wisdom in the moment. But we also, we don't need to be putty Christians. Putty Christians are going to have a hard time overcoming in this time that we're in. What are putty Christians? It's just like Play-Doh. You just make putty in your hands. And, oh, we, we, we shouldn't be those who, who, who declare the God of war upon the heathen that destroy Israel and want to kill us. Yes, we pray for their souls and we want to evangelize and move. But, beloved, any people that allows heathen in their midst, hiding in their homes, rockets launched from their roofs, they have blood on their hands. And it's the blood of innocent people who were called to a land by God from the beginning of time. And the prophets all pointed to it, that he would bring them home from the four corners of the earth, the Jews, and put them back in that land. Never again for that land to fall out of his hands, so it is the God of war. And yes, our hearts, they grieve for what likely is also innocent Arabs that are in Gaza. A death toll there as well, but we need to understand that complacency in the eyes of the Lord is no different than action. And so it is with the body of Christ. Complacency is like a sin of omission. It's no different than one of commission. Mm. That's why even to this day there are nations and people apologizing, repenting, crying out for the sins of their fathers, even for the Holocaust. I've been in many of those meetings where it's overwhelmed people from Germany and Italy, part of the Ottoman Empire that used to be, realizing that the sin of commission as they were quiet and allowed innocent people to be killed because they were a Jew, along with just as many non-Jews and Gentiles, and by the way, they picked on Christians. So yes, we moved from crying out that Rachel's crying, and we still will, but this is a time of war for Israel. It's not a time for buddy Christians to tell them to, to just lay back and take it. We did that one time already as a government and we paid dearly for it. In the Gulf War when Iraq was sending Scud missiles into Israel, George Bush Sr. at that time he told Israel, don't fight back. We'll protect you. And if you do, then we'll reward you. And at that time, there was half a million, half a million people that needed housing in Israel. 
and he promised to provide the funds to help them house in Israel. He made a covenant with Israel. And right after that war was over, they took 39 scuds. Do you think that's a coincidence? 39 lashes, 39 scuds. They had the capacity, the ability to nuke Baghdad. People died in Israel. That would be like people dying in Ohio with scuds fired from New York and we do nothing. Some in fear. One lady who survived the Holocaust thought it was gas coming and she died in terror. Another child that they put plastic over her crib suffocated because they were afraid of the gas coming. And our government at that time, as soon as it was over, said, well, we're gonna hold back the money unless you give land to the PLO. That was in January of that year, it was an election year. I remember crying out on the radio, Salem Broadcasting. I said, God's gonna deal with that president. Do you know what his popularity rating was at that time? 98%, because he won a war. You know what it was by the time Bill Clinton came out of a pig farm in Arkansas and beat him? 20-some percent. God took him down, because he breached the covenant of Israel. And God will do the same thing with the body of Christ. He's not gonna tolerate a putty body of Christ. He's not gonna tolerate a body of Christ that is complacent and indifferent to what's going on. You know what agitated me the most yesterday was getting some text messages from Christians. Christians from the United States and other places that had nothing to say at all about Israel and were talking about life as if it was just going on again. Nothing to say about it. I cried out to the Lord how the ears are so deaf. We love to worship and dance and sing to the God of Israel. How linked are our hearts to the God of Israel. This church, we have a connection there, many connections. We're connected there with ministries, with people, with family. We have family there. I spoke to my little brother, Samuel Smajda, yesterday afternoon. He had canceled Shabbat church on the high holy day because they needed to be in their bomb shelters. We thought it was terrible to have to stay home during a COVID and we could have come to church. Their 
lives were on the line. There were people in the Gaza area that went into their bomb shelters and the terrorists were banging on the doors and shooting through them, trying to get them. Prisoned in their own bomb shelters, hoping they couldn't break the doors open. And of course, Samuel said, when I asked him, how are you, brother? He said, very sad. The whole country's sad, we're mourning. me that one of the young ladies that works with his tour company was kidnapped and taken into Gaza and another woman's husband has not been heard of. And the heathen in Gaza, they paraded that young girl around, along with the dead body of another woman. This is real. This isn't just a news clip. And once again, our prayer is that the God of Israel stands up for the the state of Israel, for the warring state of Israel. You see, the hatred of the enemy that surrounds them hasn't gone away. It's just become a bargaining chip, an economic bargaining chip. seems far too often that the depth of understanding our role and calls as priests to intercede with the God of Israel is just a checking the box prayer. Those who pray for Jerusalem will be blessed. So out of a prayer life, maybe a 10 second one goes up for the peace of Jerusalem. Check the box. We're called to prepare the way. This house, this ministry, this man, And I believe there'll be more now that'll be awakened and there are some already there to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Jesus, yes, even he said only the Father knows the hour. And we always get that graphic vision of an angel up in the heavenly place holding on to a trumpet waiting to blow the trumpet and sound it for our Messiah. 
his chorus of angels, however the Lord's going to do it, to come from heaven to earth. But we do well to understand how he's dressed to return and in what fashion. He's not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's not coming back as an innocent little sheep or a sheep nailed to the cross for slaughter. He's coming back as the warring Messiah to save his people. And so part of what we need to balance now as we prepare the way is the zeal for evangelism and the passion for every soul at the same time to be those who sound the trumpet and call for war where there needs to be war. Sounds like a harsh prayer, but my prayer is that Israel doesn't kowtow to the, to the media and fold under the pressure of propaganda which is already starting. It starts right away. The minute that there's any retribution in Gaza or in Lebanon for murderous acts against Israelis, it's showing innocent people being killed and how horrific Israel is and they need to stop. And then those come and they say, let's try to negotiate a peace. And the, the peace is that the enemies of Israel get to collect more missiles, more ammunition, more wealth. And whether you know it or not, those terrorists are supported, yes, by Iran, but also by China and Russia. I hope you understand that. There's an evil coalition of darkness that wants to destroy Israel and destroy this country and none of them have any room for Christians. Every one of them would wipe out every Christian in a heartbeat if they could. So one of the things we need to do as we prepare the way is to complacency away in the body of Christ be careful as we do that because people really only get serious when it's touching them the churches were filled after 9-11 for about two weeks and then complacency came again We don't wish that upon this country. But God will do what he needs to do to wake up the body of Christ because he's coming back for a bride. And I know I sound maybe overtly critical, but at this place in time, since the bride is supposed to be a whole body, of Christ there is no bride I hope you understand that 
Some people think they're the bride and only them. And that because they are, they have the ultra privileges. I'd like to see people right now go into Sederot, Mitzram, some of the cities around Gaza, Tel Aviv, where missiles fell on people, Jerusalem. And I'd like you to go tell them that they're not in a tribulation and that they're going to be taken away. Go preach that message, see where that goes right now. But we love it here in this body of Christ, not this church. Because we're special then. We're separated. We can be indifferent to what's going on in the world and we can actually cheer it on because it's just gonna lift us away faster. I know many won't admit that, but that's a fact. I've lived too long to see it and hear it and despise it. When Rachel Scott was killed at Columbine, God linked me to that from our bedroom over here on Briarcliff when we were living here in Canfield, about a mile away. Maybe not even, I don't know, as the crow flies. And I watched the funeral and I cried. And I heard crying and lamenting. I heard the horror and the howl of women crying and the Lord gave me that scripture. Rachel is crying because her children are dying and I wrote a song about it. Somehow God inserted me right into the middle of that with her father, who's still a dear friend of mine, Daryl. And I remember prophesying to him in a, we spent a day out at Lake Milton and he flew in and we prayed in a little cottage there all day long and talking about what did this mean as he was grieving and overcoming his daughter being murdered. And I said to him, this is just the beginning of what's gonna happen in our schools and public places. And it wasn't long after that he went to Congress and gave his famous speech that we expelled God from the schools and what did we expect? Beloved Rachel's crying again and the Lord is allowing the whole world to see it vivid images, videos, a contrast to see Rachel crying because her children are dying. But it needs to go to the next step. It needs to go to repentance. Even within Israel, Jewish believers, one we saw on a tape sent to us, driving his son down to the battle lines in the south, leaving him there on the holy day saying that Israel deserved this. 
because of its sin. He called it the beginning of Jacob's trouble. Be careful with that one. Jacob's been in trouble a long time. Jacob's been in trouble since May 9th, 1948. Israel's declared May 8th. Jacob's been in war since May 9, 1948. Overwhelming numbers. And God has preserved them and he will this time too. But this time, Jacob needs to take it another step even as Jeff was crying out. It's not just retribution to give revenge. It's retribution to push back the enemy. Do you realize, and I'm not calling for this, but I want to link the scriptures for you. Do you realize that when the Lord told Saul to destroy all the enemy and don't leave one of them breathing, had he done that, there wouldn't be this issue now. But Saul wanted the wealth and he wanted the slaves. And he was disobedient, and that's what began his topple. You see, the Lord knew there was a spirit that hated him and hated the Hebrews. Remember that word means crossover. Hebron's not that far from the enemy lines, the place where the patriarch resides his remains so here we are in a, in, a, in a set of time in a place Friday and Friday night as I was preparing for today asking the Lord to give me specifically what he wanted assuming I was going to continue on on crossing the threshold I got one word watch it's actually in my tablet. I did a whole thing on watch and watchmen. Part of what our Lord tells us in Matthew, when you see these things, watch. And then something jumped out at me. Watch and see that no one deceives you. Who was he speaking to? The politicians, non-believers, he was speaking to us. It was a message that was timeless. He released it in that time, but it wasn't the time for his disciples or those, those people to, to receive what to do in these days that now we have crossed the threshold into. They were at a different time in a different place. That was a message for us. Watch that no one deceive you. Leanne, no one's going to come and tell you Jesus isn't real. They got no choice, no chance. They're not going to tell you the Holy Spirit isn't real. They're not going to tell you that your faith is groundless. They got no shot. But they might tell you that you don't need to worry about these dark times because you're just going to fly away. And that sounds good. It's called deception, beloved, and I know some people don't like it. And they get angry with me, but the Lord said, watch the people don't deceive you. Because what happens then is we become complacent. 
was a great man of God that I had an opportunity to mentor with for a while, David Lewis. We met each other in Israel. And I was a young pup and David was older. A great teacher, a world-renowned Bible teacher. And I spent time with him, personal time, and David released a message one time how he had this young, zealous Christian tell him how excited he was because of the Intifada. We were there during the Intifada, David and I and some of us. Buses were blown up. Jews were being killed. And this guy was excited because he said, oh, David, see, it's coming. This is the time that's coming and we're going to be raptured away and this is the time we've been waiting for. It's the only time I saw David get angry. He looked, he would have snatched that guy by the neck if he could have. And he said to him, son, you're an idiot. And he looked at David, he said, why would you say that to me? He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going home to Kansas. I'd like you to meet me there. I'll take three days and you bring the names of your family, your children, your mother, your sisters, you bring them and you and I are gonna pray over them that God will release terrorists to rape them, kill them, and help usher in a tribulation so that you could be raptured. Let's do it. And of course, the man was horrified and walked with his head down, but he exposed something. He exposed this deception and this complacency in the body of Christ, and it's reaped into us in multiple ways. We're more concerned about prosperity than we are about repentance. We take a comfort and a shelter and grace, but then we disrespect the grace and do what Paul cried out. Stop sinning as if you crucify the Lord again. And we come up with all kind of things. that get between us and the reality. And you know what, there was a time for that. But I wanna open your eyes to something else, that those who have been laying that out there are going home one by one because there's a transition going on. And the Lord needs other voices to begin to speak that have spheres of influence and leadership that aren't overwhelmed by some of the other voices. It doesn't mean that they've been rendered to non-salvation. It doesn't mean that at all. It means God is gracious and he deals with the times that we live in. And he knows when to take people and when to leave people by his grace, we are saved. So I started the day with an edge, didn't I? It's because all I could hear all night was Rachel cry. 
And as I shared with you, my wife and I had that experience at a kibbutz. Do you know that at that time that we were there, three mothers and fathers received boxes delivered to their door. And when they opened them up, it was the chopped up bodies of their sons, soldiers, sent back. It's real. It's real. So we've crossed the threshold, beloved. It doesn't mean it's the last one, but it certainly is a big one. And there's no going back. The only choice is complacency or going forward. For me and my house, we're going forward. We're going to focus into some very specific prayers as time moves forward now. Prayers where the Lord makes a way. A way that ourselves and others can be the Gideons that we're called to be in this time. A way to be a voice that's significant, qualified, obedient crying out in a wilderness. Preparing the way is preparing the bride. And there has to be an engagement period. There has to be a period where Something is set aside and two people, in this instance, the body of Christ and the God of Israel and the God of Jesus, enter into a covenant to prepare the way or they'll never get to the altar. It wouldn't be a command if it didn't require somebody somewhere somehow to do something we just cruise on in just go on about life like it is but we're to prepare the way and we know it starts with ourselves but it also starts with ourselves getting ourselves aligned with the right mindset of who we are the time we live in and who God is Remember the, we shared about the black robes and the revolution. There were preachers. They had little churches, small churches. And they would preach the word of God and ask the Lord for provision and souls and all of that in a new fledgling area that was yet to be a country. And then right after church, they take their black robes off and underneath were their military outfits and they go to war 
with their sons, with their congregants. We wouldn't be a country if not for the black robes because they understood that there's a sacrifice and they understood the character of the God of Israel and the God of war in Jesus Christ. So we're not going to be ashamed nor are we going to be putty Christians that aren't declaring and shouting for the God of war to lift up Israel to victory over the heathen and to preserve the people in that country and my personal prayer from the moment I became aware was again for Benjamin Netanyahu say what you want about him I don't really know about all those trials that they've been trying to put in him for a long time I know he fears God I've had that conversation with him I know his wife has strong faith and I know that in this moment of trouble, I know he's seeking wisdom and faith and strength for the survival of his country and his people. I believe that with all my heart. So I've been interceding for him. One of the things the Lord put on my heart this morning when I came in and he said to cry between the porch and the altar to weep, the Lord said to declare a day of fasting and repentance in the body of Christ and in Israel. And that comes out of Joel. The book of Joel is all about the judgment of God and, and he does end up saying to be victorious and in it he says, turn to me with fasting and repentance. And he said, and I'll be victorious for you. So we're going to try to get that message out. Send it out to several avenues and just believe God it'll get there. I don't care who takes responsibility. I just know it needs to happen. So that'll be an assignment today, tomorrow, the next few days to see how fast we can get that out. The Christians need to join Israelites with prayer and fasting. That's what the Lord said to do. That's his command in Joel, to do it. So we know something that we could sink our teeth into. And other than that, we're gonna process how the Lord will have us crossing that threshold to be what he's called us to be, however and wherever and whenever. Knowing that we can't turn back. There's no turning back. No such thing. And knowing now that we're going to see multiple challenges in the earth.
and we're going to continue to hear about peace maybe more than ever one of the wealthiest men in the world the only way he knew how to react to this at 1.30 in the morning was to say it's terrible what's happening in Israel I hope they can have peace <laughs> Elon Musk it's terrible what's happening in Israel I hope they can have peace that was like saying I'm here they're there and uh, boy peace is the answer doesn't have a clue smart as he is wealthy as he is the assets that he has can go into space but doesn't know the time he lives in I didn't think it was a coincidence as I was up at that hour praying that my phone tweaked and it was Elon Musk sending something out on the X so it's very vivid to us as a people we got it we should have it if we don't and we're going to pray that the Lord uses this opportunity to awaken leadership first and that leadership responds to it and puts aside some of the other theologies and gets down to the prayer knuckles fact that it's time to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord and put all that other nonsense aside. For us, let's not be deceived. Those are his words. Watch, don't be deceived. You see, when you're deceived, you quit watching. That was the failure in Israel, that's why they were blindsided. Somebody was deceived, they quit watching. It's an example, same thing for us. We're not watching right now. I assure you we have hundreds if not thousands of terrorists walking around in this country that just came across the border. They said, what, it was 140 different countries? Really? Right now, could be in this neighborhood. Have you thought about that? Watch, 